0: Hello and welcome to the Inspired Astrology Podcast. It's the spring equinox, Nostara, and we have a new moon in Aries happening tomorrow on March 21st, 2023. And the word of this week is transition. Transition is a noun. It's the process or a period of changing from one state or condition To another. Life is a constant transition. Chaos is not something to be tamed, yet we fool ourselves into thinking we can. Perhaps we could lasso a tornado, or we could capture lightning. With enough strategy, enough oversight, thinking resources, and can-do attitude, we can make the impossible, Possible. And maybe for a glimpse, a moment, an instant, we do. We can. Then chaos resumes, decaying and digesting our efforts into the ocean of time, into the nothingness of everything. So we maintain and we maintain and we oversee and policy and legislate and compromise yet dams and levees still break snow stacks to ski lift height our engineering washes to waste in waves and shifting shorelines nature prevails our minds are challenged to fathom this life truly our best intentions our best desired plans motivations and revelations swept to the wayside by life just being life seeds burst through the soil's surface regardless of what vicious rabbits and drowning rains may prevent its fruition it is just being a seed And doing what a seed does. So, to you, my dear listener, do what human does. Survive. Let desire strengthen your lust for life. This new moon, this spring equinox, this ingress of Pluto is a moment among many other moments. When nature is our new and old lens of purpose and we make meaning in the mundane, we perceive magic in the cosmos. Every moment is its own part of the choreography. Each choice and response is active free will within that dance. Begin again and again, be new, be inexperienced. Have doubts. Have faith. Revel in transitions. Laugh at obstacles when possible. Now, right now. Now is a significant moment of growth. As winds change, as sun strengthens, as soil softens. This is Lauren Aversa Day, and again, you found the Inspired Astrology podcast. This bi-monthly new and full moon report that I've been putting out for a few years now, on bequest of my wonderful audience, my readers who wanted to be listeners. So you're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) And what I'm drawing upon and drawing from is the Moon Mailer. The Moon Mailer is my bi-monthly newsletter, direct to your inbox. And it's just a free, heartfelt offering to those who subscribe, my people, my audience. And I am so grateful for everybody who participates in this process. Because without you, it's a one-sided conversation. Without you, I'm just a writer. Without you, I'm just a human in a room with their dog talking into a couple devices and just playing my song to the universe in my own way my heart song so welcome to aries season my dear listener welcome to the season of fire shifting from chaotic pisces shifting out of this blurry foggy moment into the intense and martian energy of aries And I want to take a moment to uh, honor the esoteric astrologer within me. And you'll find in my work, I draw upon a lot of different lenses and traditions, seasonal archetypology that uses the lens of nature to offer insight into the astrological nature that we live within, right? The cycles and seasons, all of it is reflected within Earth. Then we have esoteric astrology, which seeks to see the soul within a chart, seeks to see the connection in the cosmos through the vibrations, through the octaves of energy that are provided to us by the metaphors of these planets, and especially that vibrational tuning, that esoteric piece uh, that we are being provided from above, as if we're being downloaded energy through the planets themselves. And then of course, inspired astrology, which is just me feeling and interpreting to the best of my abilities, the energy that comes through when I use the language of a chart. And when I use the language and identity of each of the seasons in the cycle and the identities of the planets that we are participating with in these cycles and paying attention to, and you'll hear me say it, and I'm going to say it again, astrology is reflective, reflective, and not causal, right? So Pluto didn't do anything to you, honey. (laughs) I digress. Anyhow, so Aries, there's a couple different kinds of Aries, right? And, you know, we can talk about like, oh, the Aries sun who has a Mercury in Aries or Pisces or Taurus. And then there's a Mercury uh, or there's an Aries that has this type of Venus, et cetera. Right? That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the co-rulership of the planets. And esoterically, we have Mercury as the connection point with Aries. And I didn't write about this in my report. It's just something that I, I kind of work with energetically and what I would do with a reading in your astrological makeup. But you may know the difference between a mercurial Aries and a Mars Aries. Right, And people can vacillate between the two of them, absolutely. And maybe their Aries, uh, their Mercury is in Aries, right? So it's even that kind of double trouble energy of that. But I honestly think that when we're working with the energy of Aries, when we're learning about courage and the I am attitude and inspiring others to become, There is a Martian component to that. There is a Mars component to that because of survival and will and power and energy and gusto, right? That hunger for life, the act before you think energy. So when I say to you, Aries can also be associated with Mercury. You think, what about the think, right? If, if Aries are just guttural, impulsive you know, blasts of energy, right? What what does Mercury have to do with that? It has to do with discernment and emanating the quality of insight rather than just the impulsivity. It's not just about the act. There is a process behind it. There is a think behind it. And using the refined quality of Mercury, which is the messenger, it's the navigator between space and thought and time and our minds and our voice and this world. It's this connection, this communicator. And so when we learn to use Mercury to understand our emotions, to understand our feelings and our impulses and to refine them, to understand why we do the things that we do, that's when you have a mercurial Aries somebody that's actually working with that that thought energy, that um, navigation of the mental plane, more so than the guttural survival will-to-be plane. So that's your esoteric lesson for this week. So this um, new moon in Aries chart from where it's cast in Milwaukee has a Cancer ascendant emphasizing the energy of this new moon, this dark moon. And it is being influenced by Mars in Gemini because the the new moon is at zero degree Aries, which makes it even that more impactful and fiery and kind of your best wish face is involved here. So new moons are this point of contact. It's the out breath. It's the empty point. And in seasonal archetypology, Aries is not the first sign of the zodiac. Okay, so we often think of the spring equinox as the beginning part of the year, but that's three months into the year. And it's also kind of like a weird point to start a year at an equinox. Why not start it at the December solstice, which is the true new moon point of the astrological year. Right, the darkness, the true darkness that comes with the solstice. Right. So in in the cycle of each month, every lunation, the new moon is when the sun and moon can join at the same degree of that sign. And it is it's an important moon. I think it's more important than the full moon to some extent, because it casts the energy of the entire season of the sign, of the Aries sign. It kind of gives us that. What seeds are we planting energy? And then at the full moon, hopefully we see some fruition, especially from the six months before, right? And that's, there's so many algorithms <laughs> within astrology that during Aries season, we have a full moon in Libra. During Libra season, we have a full moon in Aries. So that's what I mean about fruition, the six month point. You know, what were you wishing for six months ago? You know, we think about that on the full moon. But the new moon is the outbreath, It's an emptying, it's that dark wish point, that imagination point. It is the soil. And Aries is the the energy of the seed being brave enough to burst through the surface. Uh, Ryan Evans, who's my mentor and my co-author for his lens on astrology, seasonal archetypology, uses the seed as a beautiful metaphor in describing the nature of an annual calendar year of astrological signs and like where the seed is, right? And so is a plant a plant when it comes out of the ground or when it's planted in the soil, when it's in the darkness, when it's in its potential phase? Ponder that a bit. So the stellium between Pisces and the stellium of Aries and the stellium of Taurus energies, these are all kind of like in a, what do you call it? A bucket formation if we were to look at this chart as if it was a human being, right? And it's all at the very top, the midheaven just pouring through the sky, right? What are we, what are we putting out there into the world? And that's a very good question. I looked up the word survival, um, because that felt really important to consider when we think about Aries. It's a you know associated with willpower, the will to be, the will to. It's not necessarily taking a leap, but just going without thinking of the consequences, and that takes a lot, of, a lot of fucking courage and gusto, to be that resilient to get up when you're covered in thorns and you're battle worn and tired. Right, Aries is quite impulsive. It tends to move forward without thinking too much, unless you have a mercurial Aries. <laughs> but it's this idea of just kind of like bolting in towards the, the job, the, the thought, the, the goal. And that can, that can be problematic, right? But it's also a beautiful thing to witness. And each of the signs have that, um, that kind of signature about them. Aries are often thought of being kind of self-centered. It's associated with the head. Um, I know as a sun sign in Aries, I've hit my head many, many times. I have quite a few scars on my face from plowing into a table or falling on my face or falling forward at the skating rink. If anyone was there when I was 12 years old at Skate West in West Des Moines, you might remember me tripping over my Jinko jeans and getting that baseball-sized wound on my forehead from cracking my skull on the ground of the skating rink. So Aries, the head, I am, fire, elemental, cardinal, initiative energy, movement forward, the strength. So survival as a noun is the state or fact of continuing to live or to exist typically in spite of an accident, an ordeal, or a difficult circumstance. Well, boy, have we ever been through that shit. And I think that this past week, these past three years, there's a lot to think about when it comes to survival and resilience. So the chaos of Pisces season brought us the awareness of um, I don't want to just blame a virus. Like we were in a moment, there was a momentous shift, and I think, um, you know, I started recording the podcast at at that time in March of twenty twenty. I think about um, all that we had to do to get by, and the innovation and the struggle. And here we are. What a life! And you go outside and you can smell spring. I don't know where you're located, but here in the Midwest, it's it's a visceral feeling, uh, the space between the winter and mud season and spring. But you can smell it, the wind shifts. It has a different temperature and a different scent and a different texture. And you hear all the bird calls and the buds bursting through the cold soil. It's time to grow, they sing. These last weeks, you've had some very saturated transits, to use that water term, during Pisces season. And between last week, um, March 16th, I think, uh, Neptune, Sun, and Mercury conjoined, uh, which felt really aptly timed for the blur uh, of the anniversary of the world being upside down three years ago this week. So there's been this gushy, smushy, space-out haze, a fog vibe. It's just foggy. And I know last week I didn't really feel much like communicating online. Uh, it just everything felt very blurry to me. And I was definitely very emotional. I was having my own types of breakthroughs and awareness pieces that were coming to me. Kind of a, a reckoning, so to speak. Um I know it was hard. I know a lot of people felt really heavy. So I'm hoping that this fire energy helps to burn off the haze. You know, Pisces is chaos. And this past month, Saturn entered the liquid landscape of the sign of Pisces. And all I can say about that is that we're just trying to put a box around chaos. Saturn, structure, Pisces, chaos. So, creating a framework, a map, you know, some, some way to frame this. It's like Tupperware for the soul. The equinox carries us into Aries season and this fiery stellium, Jupiter, Chiron, which were conjunct last week, further emphasizing that pain, that wound, almost expanding some of the pain and wounds that we've experienced in our lifetimes. And if you want to know more about Chiron and your natal makeup, feel free to reach out. You can uh, book, book a session, do the mirror, do some reflecting. So Jupiter, Chiron, Mercury, Sun, Moon are all in Aries currently. And like I said, fire, let us kind of burn through this illusion, this um, steamy, steamy business. Let's, let's find some clarity so for some of us, Aries is this gut feeling, go. It's a sense of timing that we just know in our bodies. And we can recognize it because of all the times that we failed to meet its call. Right? And usually that's how intuition works. That's how timing and flow and synchronicity energy works is when we're really paying attention to what, what is called to us in, a, in an instant, We get this chance, We again and again, we get to listen to our gut, our will, our fire, um, and that is the Aries solar plexus territory. The astrological maps of each of this week's big events are nearly the same. Right, we have the equinox today, uh, which had a square between Uranus and the moon, so like, it's kind of a quick electric shock, but that was the only difference um, between uh, this week's transits and interpretations, right? Because we have the new moon in Aries tomorrow and then Pluto is ingressing into a new sign, a sign of Aquarius, leaving Capricorn where it's been since 2008. And Pluto will retrograde back into Capricorn to those final degrees. So these are just very powerful pushes. So my interpretation melting across this powerful moment, is that moments happen. Moments happen, they come and go. So just as we try to put a box around chaos, lasso the tornado, we look towards interpretations and predictions of what the world might do, what themes may come and what is to expect when you're expecting the apocalypse. And all I have to say is just stop, just stop it. Is it really worth it? Is it worth the disappointment of trying to know the unknowable, of trying to navigate terroir territory that is unseen, unknown? In Buddhist slogans, um, there are slogans to help with mind training. Uh, if you're not familiar with the seven point mind training, it's, uh, Pretty powerful and very deep esoteric work when it comes to working with your mind, right? More mercury stuff. But there's a slogan that's always stuck with me. Don't wait in ambush. Don't wait in ambush means when we sit waiting for something bad to happen, where we sit in anguish thinking about what we're going to say or do or how we're going to react to a situation. And I'm not saying I don't still do this. I, <laughs> I, I love to do this for some reason. Just our minds tend to like to perceive and predict situations so that we can better respond to them, right? For our ego's sake. Or to avoid conflict, whatever your motivations are, you know some people seek out conflict, and so they're they're going for it. When I see that motherfucker, I'm gonna, right? Or maybe we play out those scenarios to try to diffuse the emotional um, tension, the tightness, uh, which is that tight balloon uh, metaphor that I use. So don't wait in ambush. You know how many how many readings? Have you gone to, right? This and this is why I don't I don't get readings from people. Uh, is you know what if they tell you that you're going to meet the love of your life, or you're going to get that new job, or that situation's going to work out, and some shift in the cosmic fabric realigns the whole pattern and you're left pissy and sad that your one and only didn't appear on cue. That's the kind of disappointment I'm talking about is when we're trying to predict and anticipate chaos. Everything is shifting. Everything is shifting all the time. Right? So that's where that guttural willpower and that instinct to meet the moment. That is, that is where things shift is paying attention and improvising and meeting the theatrics of life in the, in the timing that it occurs. So go outside and go for a walk, interact with strangers, you know, cautiously, but you remember what it was like to just talk to people. Do <laughs> you miss that before phones, we made eye contact and small talk and shifted magazines and newspapers between our fingertips, sharing ink stains on our hands. Do we really value predictability that much? What's the weather? What's going to happen? I know that when I'm watching a scary movie, I tend to look up the Wikipedia page to help diffuse my anxiety. (laughs) That's real, right? But how much are we missing out on all the play of chaos and the fun that could be had? What happens when we don't know what happens? I know in, in the past years, I'm, I've just been watching the same shows and stories. And I, I know that this is a, a stress response um, to watch, uh, to be entertained by things that you know the outcome. There's something soothing about that, right? It's like repetitive. And I know it's been a coping mechanism. And it's like being in text predictability mode like clinging to a, a raft, a life raft. And that's fine, right? It's, it's great. You know, it helped me to get through, but clinging gets exhausting. And Pisces, which is ruled by that space between Neptune and Pluto, is where we let go. And we let fill in the blank, whatever version of the G word works for you, Right? Traditionally, it's let go and let God. Maybe it's let go and let chaos, (laughs) let go and let nature, whatever feels right for you, right? But this idea of letting go, it's really scary. So what about Aries? Why does Aries follow chaos? Is it about being brave? Is it about the fuck it style of abandon? Is it about the adventure? Or is it about the goal? An Aries couldn't tell you, but an Aries needs a goddamn goal. I'm pretty sure. It it needs a problem to solve. It needs a battle to fight. And I think that's why Aries fight and why they resist. Because there's something that needs to be tense for them to feel real. To feel like there's progress. Like rubber bands on the back of your teeth while you're shifting your, uh, your braces, your teeth braces. That's a visceral feeling, isn't it? We needed directions to move towards. We need a job. Aries needs a job. And impulse is an Aries trait, right? Hence the graveyard of abandoned new projects and pivotal plans that they've made, right? Maybe that's the annoying thing about us Aries types, right that we we shift directions so much maybe our greatest asset is that we respond to chaos maybe that is what pisces and aries is about aries is the response to chaos do something right don't just stand there and mix into the the void right become part of it by by individuating yourself individuation as an in aries when we respond to life's ever shifting ground beneath our feet, right? That's that's response, right? That that is the reality. And Aries, we're loyal to the cause, and the cause is to live and live rambunctiously. So this week Venus conjoins Venus <laughs> I sound like Dr. Done's father. <laughs> Venus conjoins with the North Node. And Taurus this week. And uh, just a reminder that we'll be shifting the nodal directions into a different axis point. Um, currently, it's in Taurus and Scorpio. So I don't know, Venus in Taurus with the North Node, this gives me all the feels about chasing our nature, feeling our feelings, taking in and receiving new love. New ideas about love, new ideas about value, what we value, what we really care about. Having new experiences, new hunger, new desire. How about releasing the shame think? So Taurus is the throat and Scorpio is the arse, right? The south node, what we need to leave behind. So you can use your imagination when it comes to understanding the nature of the lunar nodal axis finishing its journey through these signs. What pain, what shame, what story are you harboring that needs to be digested and let go? Boop. (laughs) What have you been fearful to consume or to step into when it comes to pleasure and self-care and community care, nature care, environmental care? So after a long stagnant winter of preparing, planning, thinking, and dreaming, it's time to go time to do the thing. So do the thing. Do the thing. (laughs) Oh boy. It's been a lot. You guys doing okay? It's been a lot. Um, Yeah, I I think I'm going to talk about Pluto and Aquarius, but I just want you to take a moment to digest all of this I'll tell you who I am for a moment. You can like shuffle if you need a potty break, pause, whatever. Here's your moment. Here's your transition point as we talk about transitions, which are always happening. And I think that's what I was trying to get to in the report is um, I, I see more and more people looking towards astrology as a lens. It is a lens. It's a language that I've used for a long time. It helps me to make sense of the world. It helps me to categorize things in a way that feels meaningful to me. And I think as we more and more abandon religion and old ways of controlling the masses, uh, we're moving into kind of a new interpretation. And just as religion helps to create meaning or give us an understanding about what we cannot comprehend, Right? Um, I always think about the trifecta in Eastern philosophy, when you have Taoism, which is the personal, soulful practice of finding your way and your way of relating with nature and the universe and the cosmos. And then you have Confucianism, right? Structure, society, how we, how we have social norms, how we kind of navigate the world, how we get along with each other, right? That's kind of the Saturn uh, patriarchal, if you will, um, that energy, Like keep in order make it make sense and then you have buddhism which is a chaos of the unknown what do we what what happens after we die what what does it mean to be a good person what does it mean to let go of our attachments to material how do we let go of this life this world this experience how can i stop being afraid so, as we turn to astrology, we have that same lens, that same fearfulness, and we're looking for answers we're looking for an understanding. Ah, oh, well, Venus just moved into Taurus, so that means or Venus is in retrograde, so that means what does it mean to you what is it How does it affect you? What is this doing to assist you why are you Why are you listening to this I mean I appreciate it i I love that you're here, but um I just want you to take a moment to kind of feel into that. (laughs) Why do I care? Why do I want to make sense of these things? So I appreciate you being here. And I hope that I finished that thought up wherever I was going with it. (laughs) We can't know the answers. There's no way we can and if someone tells you that they know the answers, run. Please run. Don't pay attention. I'm trying to get something out of you. And I'm trying to refine what I'd like to do, what kind of like niche practice that um in supporting people. And sometimes I wonder if that is uh spiritual trauma, right? Someone telling you that they have all the answers. Because it gives them power. There's a lot of power in knowing the answer to things, right? Speaking of power, Pluto. Pluto. So, as Pluto exits uh, the energy of Capricorn, where it's been since 2008, uh, I would recommend the documentary Generation Wealth, which was um, shot and directed by Lauren Greenfield, uh, who is a photographer. Really, really, really appreciated her anthropological look at the United States and our culture and capitalism, consumption, Uh, Los Angeles, teen girls, eating disorders, Um, really, really special work. And Generation Wealth, I think, is a summation uh, interviews about fucking end times, fucking apocalyptic apocalyptic times right and there's multiple times in the documentary where they discuss how right before the fall of Rome it's like things were the most disgusting and most bloated Um, and I think that's just where we're at and it feels really weird and I don't want to tell you that I know that's where it's at I just know we're in end-stage capitalism and things like we just can't keep going like this and I know that there's been some studies on uh, super abundance. I think there's a book out by that name um, where we, if we dispel scarcity mentality, actually abundance for everyone is possible, that it's a good thing, that it is, it is capable. We just have to shift our perspective on it. So Pluto's first step into Aquarius happens on Thursday, March 23rd. Um, This generational bracket, right? Like if you can imagine like a parentheses, right? It's a bracket of a planet uh, spending between 12 and 30 years in a zodiacal season. And it's been in Capricorn since 2008, as I said. And it's been a stupid doozy, right? Remember in 08 when, if you were around, in in 08, Pluto entered Capricorn and we had the worst financial year in our lifetimes. Uh, I mean, a lot of people actually compare it to the Great Depression, uh, and how how bad it was the economic crisis mistrust of the systems in place and what was overturning as a result of that. And uh, while I was doing some research on this, I was thinking about the word plu- Plutarchs plu- Plutarchs Plut Plut but whatever it's uh, it's basically let me think, let me find my plutocrat is a person whose power is derived from their wealth a plutocrat is a person whose power is derived from their wealth Pluto connected words here, And Capricorn uh, about accrual, about building, about systems banking, military, government, right? So when we look at the underbelly, Pluto when we look at the underbelly of any sign, Pluto helps us to do that So generations harbor the energy of Pluto on some level, right? Like I'm a Pluto and Scorpio generation. There's a whole slew of us, right? And then there's the Pluto and Libra generation before them, Pluto and Virgo, Pluto and Leo, et cetera, right? There's like a, usually a bracket of energy and, and all of us have a participation in that piece, right? So in, you know, during Sagittarius, Pluto, uh, there was a lot of um, upset with faith systems. And uh, like, I'm thinking specifically of, the Catholic Church and the corruptions that were involved with that. So we're looking at corruptions involved with government and with society and systems and patterns and policies, and uh, especially with power with Capricorn. So um, just to note, for those of us born in or around 1984, we're having our Pluto square Pluto transit. This is a once in a lifetime experience of deep change. And I'm going to use the word reckoning because that's how Pluto feels to me. It's about integrating, releasing what no longer serves us. And this, again, once in a lifetime, it's a slow burn. We all go through it. This is one of those harbingers of the midlife transit. So get ready, folks. We're close to 40. So just like the death card in tarot, Pluto creates space for rebirth. America has been going through its Pluto return, which is this epic, like, hundred-year cycle that unfurled before us while um, he who shall not be named was president, and while the virus fucking leveled life as we know it. Um, The Pluto return of the United States meant that we had to look at corruption, systems, control, structure, military, government, policy, law, all of these fall under Capricorn's jurisdiction, and when Pluto is wiping the slate clean, we have to see it for what it is. It's a giant cosmic zit surfacing to be healed. It's corruption. It's a volcano. Inshallah, a healing of said corruptions could occur. So Pluto's first step into Aquarius happens on Thursday, March 23rd, 2023. Um, so this generational bracket uh it's like, what's going to happen with Aquarius, right? What will happen? Well, whatever we didn't get in Capricorn, we'll have to collectively reckon with in Aquarius, right? So we, ju- we just talked about how Aries responds to Pisces. How does Aquarius respond to Capricorn? Rebellion, right? That's, that's a word. That's a word for Aquarius, rebellion. <laughs> the royal we. Equity. Equality shared values shared resources technology innovation thoughts patterns beliefs so what serves the greatest good for the most involved so pluto's first step into the sign could blast us with new information we know ai has been a topic right algorithms corporations as entities but you know, really, what are, what are our ideas that are outdated? Aquarius is a, an air sign. Um, what takes us from the past to the future? When we think about Aquarius, like its old ruler is Saturn, the new ruler is Uranus. The past, the future. Will it be easy? Will it be hard? <laughs> Only life will reveal itself on life's terms and life's timeline. And that's what I mean, that you just got to let go of trying to know the outcome. But we can get a general theme based on our experience with Capricorn throughout time. Um, so, you know, maybe if, if you're super interested, you could look into the last time that Pluto was in Aquarius and what kind of themes were happening around that, right? This is the Age of Error. So you've been listening to the Inspired Astrology Podcast with Lauren K. Hickman. Uh, This is Ursa Day Healing Arts. I'm a Reiki practitioner, a mentor, and teacher. I am an astrologer who does interpretation uh, through a consultant basis, less technical and more soulful. So I'm here to help you reflect through times when you're feeling stuck. I do most of my work online via Zoom. Uh, you can get a recording of your session. I also do written astrology reports, uh, catching up on those since I'm on spring break from grad school. I'm also a graduate student. I am studying social work to become a licensed clinical social worker so I can take my therapeutic services to a new level. I'm here in Milwaukee at UWM currently. You can find me at Ursade.us. Ursade is Latin for bear. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can ask me about that sometime Ursidae, U-R-S-I-D-A-E dot U-S. You can find me on Instagram under the same handle with a couple of uh, underscore, underscore, underscore uh, my picture on there. Lauren K. Hickman of Ursidae Healing Arts. Thank you so much for listening to the Inspired Astrology podcast. Um, I love tips. I really appreciate them. Helps to support the work and keep me going, keep me doing what I'm doing. You can sign up for the moonmailer at ursiday.us. You can tip me on Venmo at Lauren K. Hickman. Uh, reach out if you need to. Um, I'm pretty easy to find. So uh, until next time, I hope that you stay inspired. Have a beautiful day. Happy Ostera.